Well, hello and God bless you. This is Pastor Paul. It's so good to be with you today. Recently, I watched an episode of Kitchen Nightmares. In this show, restaurant owners call upon Chef Ramsey to help save their failing businesses. When the chef arrives and observes what's going on from the dining room, the food, the kitchen, the employees, and the owners, he questions their motives to understand why they do what they do. The chef evaluates problems and states his concerns. The owners, the chefs, are often defensive and resist change. And people can be so set in their destructive ways that they don't see or believe that is their habits that are, that are causing so many problems. So the chef has the task of speaking the truth, pointing out faults and flaws and everything that's toxic and destructive to the business. Can you imagine someone pointing out your faults and bad habits? For me, that would be an extremely painful yet humbling experience. But when we are willing to accept truth and take responsibility, we can look forward to change. Listening to wise counsel not only saves businesses, it saves lives. And a fine example is found in Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. And it reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is a commitment to doing what is pleasing to God and not to ourselves. And verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now I'm going to ask you a question today. Does your life please God? Our subject today is simply this. Is your house in order? When we get our house in order, we clean, we discard the unnecessary, getting rid of clutter and unused things. We arrange our affairs. Recently, I cleaned the office and several commented because things look different. Things have been decluttered and look fresh. And people can tell when things are in order, even in our behavior. People notice when, when new ways replace old ways and, and when bad habits are replaced with good habits. So as we consider the time on this world's clock and understand the time is winding up or counting down to Christ's return, I pray that your spiritual life is in order. In order to worship God in spirit and in truth, in order to serve God faithfully, we need to be in order. And something that really concerns me is the spiritual and moral decline of the church. It's time that we wake up from complacency and, and take a stand. We are confronted with evil each and every day. And America needs God. We need God as never before. Why is it that Christianity is on a decline in America but growing in China, North Korea, and Africa? Why isn't the church in America taken serious. When did we stop inspiring people to follow Christ? 
When did we stop being examples? When did our mission change? When did the church lose its passion for prayer? If we fail to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, how can we expect the world to be transformed? How can we expect the world to listen to us? If we are who we say we are, there has to be a difference. Whose agenda are we practicing? Whose agenda are we preaching? We must not compromise. The church must be in order, not in man's order, but in God's order. So when the church is out of order, we lose our witness. We lose power. We must get back in line with God's word and his will, standing up and standing out from this world. It was Billy Sunday who said, Jesus never had a harsh word for a penitent sinner, and he never had a good one for a Pharisee. When a man claims to be a Christian, he ought to do what Jesus would do. I want to share a few recent headlines with you. And as you listen to these headlines, ask yourself this question, where do I stand? Where does the church stand? Am I in agreement with God? This first one is from LifeNews.com. Pelosi says, it's an injustice that Americans are not forced to fund abortions. From the Institute on Religion and Democracy, United Methodist Anti-Racism Agency promotes LGBTQ Pride Month. From Dave Urbanski, TheBlaze.com, in Massachusetts, city officials apologize for a traffic message that read, the safety of all lives matter. From LifeNews.com, Warren Buffett has donated $4 billion to pro-abortion groups, enough to kill 8 million babies. From Angular Kamar, TheChristianPost.com, class time devoted to evolution rises. From the ADFmedia.org, under Nevada's governor's rules, more people can play slots and gathered for worship. From Phil Silver, Silver, Shiver rather, theblaze.com, Harvard professor stigmatizes homeschooling, says it indoctrinates kids with extreme ideologies like Christianity. There are so many agendas in this world today, but many fall under one heading. You know what that is? Antichrist. We're either for Christ or against him. Oliver B. Green quoted, there is nothing that will so effectively cause believers to serve in sincerity and occupy faithfully until Jesus comes, as will the moment-by-moment -moment expectancy of looking for his return. If we will be busy for Jesus, we will also be very careful where we go, what we do, how we live, and how we use our time. Pastors, we can't be afraid to warn people about sin because sin destroys lives. In Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, David realized that his life was out of order, so he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. And we know that hypocrites pretend to know God, but refuse to obey. 
So when we come to Jesus repenting for our sins, we give God the right to come in and change our lives. God also observes and evaluates according to his word. Even though his word contradicts and offends his world, his word keeps us in line and in order with his will. Our hearts should be passionate and compassionate with a hunger and thirst for righteousness and a burning desire to see souls saved. So this is no time for the church to be lukewarm. This is no time to be a lukewarm believer. We must stop serving frozen faith. What is frozen faith? We must stop saying and doing what we believe because the world disagrees. Stop offering people a love that's cold and unwelcoming. Neither do we need leftovers. The fruits of God's Holy Spirit are fresh. They're always fresh. They're not wilted or dried out. They must be fresh, ripe, and ready to be served. 2 Timothy 3.16 simply says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we need to eat the whole loaf, leaving nothing out. There are too many fake Christians in our churches today, pretenders. They appear to be believers, but they deny God's truth and deny his power through their actions. Many years ago, my dad was a deputy sheriff and a policeman, and I can remember as a child playing with my cap gun and wearing my plastic badge. I was pretending to be imitating a lawman. Every believer should imitate Christ, keeping God's precepts, keepers of his truth. We should be staying in his word, praying for each other. That is our job. That is our responsibility, sounding the alarm and standing for what is righteous. God has given us authority. Are you wearing his badge today? If so, it's a badge of honor, a badge of integrity, a badge of faithfulness, a badge of truth, a badge of love and power. It's a badge of holiness. We are to be good examples. We are to be God's examples. Well, I want to thank Miss Joanne for sharing this with me. Comedian George Carlin wrote something very eloquent and very uh, appropriate. And I want to share this with you. In his observation, you will see how the world has become out of order. He says, the paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings with shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrow viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but enjoy less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, yet more problems more medicine, but less wellness. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch too much TV, and pray too seldom. We have multiplied our possessions, but reduce our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, 
not to life, to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but have trouble crossing the street to meet a new neighbor. We conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up the air, but polluted the soul. We've conquered the atom, but not our prejudice. We write more, but learn less. We plan more, but accomplish less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever, but we communicate less and less. These are the times of fast foods and slow digestion, big men and small character, steep profits and shallow relationships. These are the days of two incomes, but more divorce, fancier houses, but broken homes. These are the days of quick trips, disposable diapers, throwaway morality, one night stands, overweight bodies, and pills that do everything from cheer to quiet to kill. It is a time when there is much in the showroom, window, and nothing in the stockroom. A time when technology can bring this letter to you. And a time when you can choose either to share this insight or to just hit delete. Remember to spend some time with your loved ones because they are not going to be around forever. Remember, say a kind word to someone who looks, looks up to you in all. Because that little person will soon grow up and leave your side. Remember to give a warm hug to the one next to you because that is the only treasure you can give with your heart and it doesn't cost a cent. Remember to say I love you to your partner and your loved ones, but most of all mean it. A kiss and embrace will mend hurt when it comes from deep inside of you. Remember to hold hands and cherish the moment for someday that person will not be there again. Give time to love. Give time to speak, and give time to share the precious thoughts in your mind. And always remember, life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by those moments that take our breath away. Once again, thank you for that, Miss Joanne. And two scriptures come to my mind. The first is Philippians 4, 8 through 9, and it reads, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Second Corinthians 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each day of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Is your house is your spiritual house in order? How is your relationship with God? How is his relationship with you? Have you forgiven others? If so, are you forgiven? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you living it in a way that pleases God? I pray that you will ignore the many distractions in this world right now and turn your heart and attention to God. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.